Hi everybody and welcome to a Sparky Ninja podcast. We're going through some hard times at the moment. Many of us are at home. We're taking the government's advice and we're staying at home or many of us have been furloughed. And a lot of people are kind of just wondering how to occupy themselves at home. And so I've been putting on some free webinars as opportunities of CPD just to keep a bit of mental health awareness up, just to give people a bit of a bit of a bit of something to think on, you know, but up to them if they attend it or not. But it's CPD and some people will find it quite valuable. So I decided to um, make it available to those of you who are working. Because, you know, some of you are actually working. Some of you are keeping the country going. You're working in factories. You're working in hospitals. You're working on infrastructure. Um, And a lot of you wanted to see these webinars, but you're still working. And so I thought I'd try to make them available. So... I've released them on YouTube. I'm going to release them gradually so that I can attend the release of them and help with any questions that go on. But then they'll be up there forevermore. And I'm going to release them as podcasts, should you still be at work but want to listen in on what's going on. So that's what this is. This is just one of the podcasts that's been released. Uh, sorry, the, one of the podcasts that's been released to cover a webinar. So you're going to hear myself and my father. And in this one, we are talking about EICRs and the missing tests. Stay safe. Attendees, hello everybody. Oh, 96, 99. Hello, hands up waving. Liberato, Jose, Aaron. Well, everyone's put their hand up. Okay, hello everyone. <laughs> hey, good morning, good morning. Okay, quick, quick go through the names. So, hey, Stuart, Richard, Tom, Paul, Sam, Gary, Daniel, God, I just, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and us. And everyone else, Mike, Gary, Aaron, James, Nigel, Chris, Spencer, Mark, Ben, morning, mate. Okay. Good morning. Welcome to um, day two of webinars. Um, long day yesterday. Honestly, mm. I was even doing a podcast last night with the five lads and uh, Dane and actually we, we discussed something which we'll bring up in today's webinar this one this morning we're going to discuss well we've I put it up as EICRs the missing test but we've kind of just gone into the inspection and testing subject overall so we're going to talk about initial verification as well um Bill's back here with us and he's going to run us through a presentation and we're basically just going to have a chinwag really it's more of a yeah it's not so much a presentation it's more of a Points for discussion. And so everybody else in, in the chat, let us know your opinions. And if you think, oh, you know, we have, you know, what your opinions are of testing and how it is now. And, you know, if there's anything that you uh, how it think could we be. Need to think about for this. Okay. Um, I've got my BS767 in front of me. I've got Guidance Notes 3 over here. Is there anything else I need or we're going for it? No, let's crack on. If everybody's okay. ready. Yeah. As you say, this is just a a general discussion. We've got a number of PowerPoints, not so many, but we're just going to highlight various issues. Um, And these, again, are my opinion. And yeah, shoot me down in flames if you want. It's it's worth, (laughs) worth, hey, Robin M, it's worth mentioning that you and I have been delivering the 2391 for... Well, a number of years. A number of years. The old one, the 2394, the 2395, the current one. Yeah. And the design. So we've, we have been involved in the delivery of, and yeah, so we have a yeah. bit of an understanding about what the classroom experience, and in particular, the city and guild's experience is like. Yeah. Okay. And Plus, we, we also we, do it in the field. 
Yeah, oh yeah, we do it in the field. <laughs> yeah. uh, and we do tend to train the same way. We both sort of uh, teach people the, the same way of testing, mm. including the, the some of the tests that we're going to talk about this morning, which are not in the actual um, sequence of tests as shown in the on-site guide or guidance note three. So we both, I think we both sing from pretty much the same hymn book. Um, yeah, pretty much. You, you occasionally give me the odd slap, but uh, apart from that, we sing from the same hymn book. I occasionally face palm and look the other way. <laughs> <laughs> but that's natural you know yeah yeah remember I'm, I'm getting old anyway okay guys um looking at some of the what we consider to be the missing tests inspection and testing so um we're going to also look at some of the records um the missing records because we do a number of tests that we don't actually record uh, we just put silly things on the form or don't even put anything on the form at all um we're going to follow the recommended sequence uh, from the guidance note three. So any numbers you see on the PowerPoints refer to guidance note three, not to the regs, not to the on-site guide. They're from guidance note three. Um, so if you haven't got a copy of guidance note three in front of you, it's not important. Um, it's just if you have got a copy, you can then sort of follow it through that as well. Um, okay, let's have a look at... Uh, the first one we we talk about when we're looking at guidance note three two six four continuity of protective conductors and this includes main and supplementary bonding okay uh, and that's normally the starting point for all our uh, inspection and testing sequence we want to make mm -hmm. sure that the earthing and the bonding is adequate uh, if the earthing and bonding is not adequate for the system we're putting in then we might as well not bother yeah, because obviously this, when we're talking about protection against electric shock and stuff like that, yeah. it all relies on having a proper earthing system and a proper bonding system. Um, so, yeah, if we haven't got that right, then it's like building a house without foundations. It's mm. going to fall over. Mm -hmm. But we do do that one, though, don't we? We do. We do do this test. We do this test, and we generally use method two to check <clears> our bonding. <throat> and what it says is uh, we're looking for a result of somewhere around about 0.05. This is the number that's generally thrown around. <laughs> the magic when we're number. checking our bonding. And then what result do we put in the EIC or the ICR? Yes, we put a tick. So fantastic. We've done a test. We've got a, we've got a test reading. But instead of actually putting that reading in onto our document, mm. we stick a tick in there. Mm. So it's, worth, it's, it's worth me adding right now. I have seen some lads take it upon themselves now to actually start writing a value. I think, you know, companies like Electroform allow this functionality, I believe, or mm. something else. And anyone who's doing that and taking it upon themselves to do a bit better than the form, fantastic. Well done. Well yeah. done. Yeah. Uh, if you consider, it's like going to the bank, isn't it? Go to the cash point or something at the bank and you want to take some money out, you take the money out and you say, okay, uh, what have I got left? And instead of saying an amount, they give you a tick or a thumbs tick. up. So, yeah, you've got yeah. money left. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And you go a week later and you've had some more money go out, more money go in, and you want to get a balance and you go to the cash point, you say, right, what have I got? And they say, yeah, you've got money. Mm -hmm. It's pointless. Mm. I think you can't, um, can't see. I, th I think from my memory, it's, so it's you don't have to test it if you can verify its presence along its visually. entire length, visually. If, you uh, if, it, if it disappears it and reappears... Entirely throughout its length. Yeah, if it disappears and reappears, you've got to check it, and this is the magic number that we need to aim for, but I think if I remember calculating it, it's about 25 metres of 10 mil. If yeah, the, re the resistivity value. If you were yeah. to look at the resistivity value of 10 mil. Yeah. If you, so if you had 0.05 for something that's the other side of a wall, which is two, three meters away, 
you that, wouldn't be very happy with that. that that can't compute so we need yeah. to actually you know understand what 0.05 is of a conductor yeah and this is what we're saying is it totally disregards the length or the size of the conductor mm. if we take a bog standard figure of 0.05 if you've got one meter of cable which goes through a wall and goes onto a pipe the other side and you get a 0.05 reading for that mm. that basically is a crap reading mm -hmm. um compared to maybe 20 meters of 10 mil giving you the same reading it, it can't be right can it you can't have the same reading for 20 meters of cable as you've got for one meter of cable yeah. um so my argument is let's measure it and let's put the proper uh, number in there now we can calculate these values from the tables in the back of the on-site guide uh, and also in the back of guidance note three table b1 so why aren't we calculating the values and then measuring it and then comparing the measurements against what we calculate doing the job properly you know uh, rather than this oh if it's 0.05 or less yeah we'll give it a tick and move on you know it's it's it seems to me inconsistent with you know doing the job properly and safety yeah also if you're going back to doing eicr at some point in the future you've got something to compare it with how do you know whether or not it's degraded how do you know whether it's you know the, the connection is going downhill you say about the fact that you know we we do it with cables that might disappear into the floor or into the wall we don't know if there's connections in there and over a period of time those connections could start to break down if we take a reading and we actually log it on the actual uh, record then we can compare that when we go back to doing eicr for, hang on this is going downhill you know the the result is increasing what's going on we might start it off at 0.01 we're now at 0.04 well actually that's a degradation that's showing that the thing is not as good as it was so it's important information so why aren't we recording it and that's that's you know that's, that's the basis of our argument on that first one so we then go on to continuity of uh, protected conductors for final circuits and that's commonly carried out using the old method one r1 r2 yeah. um, and there's a number of ways of doing this um i prefer personally to have my cables hanging out of the board and i do my connections on the end of the cables yeah. and then i go around the circuit i see some uh, training material which shows a link between the mcb and the earth bar with the cables all terminated into the earth bar i, th I think one of the problems is there's you know this illustrated in a number of different ways according to the point of installation really isn't it and that yep. affects how people interpret it or illustrate it yeah but you you do talk to people and they say oh yeah i put a link in because that's what it shows in the book yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. now now consider if you've got an installation which is conduit and trunking yeah um and you've got a situation where maybe you've got an earth or multiple earths connection to the trunk the trunking and the conduit uh you may be getting false readings by having your cables connected into the earth bar back at the board because you've got parallel paths so by removing those cables in fact i do the test before i actually terminate so by doing it in that way um i'm making sure that i'm actually testing the circuit that i'm trying to test rather than relying on multiple earth paths with multiple connections to trunking and conduit systems so that's why i do it with the cables hanging out you still there typing i'm typing and you know my oh. keyboard is very loud <laughs> i thought you'd gone quiet i'm not used to no. you being quiet i've got a clicky keyboard <laughs> so i'm, I'm muting yeah. myself while i type yeah i'm not used to you being quiet okay um so 
the, it's the way of doing it, first of all. Yeah, I, I recommend whenever I'm teaching guys, training guys, always have the cables hanging out. In fact, what I tend to do if I'm doing an install is I will do the continuity tests before I terminate the cables. Yeah, and the idea is that why do you want to keep when you come to ring final circuits? Why would you want the cables into the MCBs and the earth bar and the neutral bar? And then when you come to do a continuity test, oh, we've got to take them all out again. You're now chewing up the MCBs and the end of the cables. Uh, it's pointless. So I have to normally have the cables hanging out, and then I'll do the continuity test before I terminate them in at the board. Mm-hmm. Now. Obviously, once we've done our continuity of CPCs and we've gone around and done our normal thing of, you know, we check the polarity at the same time, we can check at every point, we can check the operation of functional switches on lighting, we can check um, all that stuff. Great, no problem at all with that. But what we then um, fail to do quite often is to actually do the calculation to compare the results we're getting yeah, with the length and size of the cables. Hmm. So again, in the back of guidance note three, we've got the tables there, which will give us values. So what I prefer is to have a calculation first and I always teach guys, do your calculations first. Once you've done your calculations, <clears throat> then do your tests, compare the results you've got with the test values hmm. in, in your calculations. And if they're in the same sort of area, fantastic. If they're not, you've got a loose connection. And yeah. it's amazing how many times we can actually identify loose connections in circuits, yeah, by doing the calculation, then doing the test. Compare. Oh, I, I I agree. I mean, I I when I when I deliver the training and I'll have some guys in some rigs or on a site before we actually set up to do the test, we've got everything configured before we press that button. I go, what do you think it's going to be? We know the size, we know the approximate length of a conductor, yeah. Yeah. and then we'll 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 come up with a number, and I go, oh, okay, and then we'll journey down maybe twice as far. I go, what do you think now? And I go, doubled. And you get them thinking about that. And then we're going to switch drop and we look at the increased resistances. Then we understand that actually, well, the switch line has come back. And, you know, we get them thinking about the value before they press the button. It's very important to think about the values you're going to receive because the test instrument is just a tool. You've got to actually understand the values that you obtain. We don't just press it and take the number and put it in the form. We've got to compute. And that's, again, especially with initial verification because this is the way we're going to identify. This is the way we're going to identify if that brand new light switch or that brand new socket outlet has contact contact resistances <clears throat> same as i'm probably jumping ahead but same as if we're going to do the r1r2s through the front of the sockets we should do both in case one of them is defective and is increasing that earth loop impedance you know um yeah yeah uh, always think about the numbers before you actually obtain them yeah i mean i'm actually as you know i've i'm actually designing a new set of test documents um and i'm actually putting within the test documents a box for calculated values hmm. So when the calculate values are done, and then when you actually go to do the test, you put your test values in, and you can compare the two. All right, so it's a, a good tool for comparison, and yeah. it is amazing how many times. And I've I've done this with apprentices and, and guys in the training field, and amazing how many times we come across loose connections, and we've identified it by doing that calculation. Uh, go around, tighten up a few screws. Ah, oh, fantastic! It's much better now. Okay, so. That's something to consider. We need to know, rather than just pressing a button and taking a number, we can teach monkeys to do that. You know, it's take the result, compare it with the calculated values. Mm -hmm. You know the size of the cables, you know the length of the cables. Okay, do that calculation. 
compare your values. Um, I've also mentioned there about parallel pass-through metal containment. Again, uh, parallel pass-through supplementary and main bonding. Again, if you're, if you're doing your test with your cables connected, you're going to get all these things affecting your test results. So, again... So, if I, had, if I had a cable that ran, let's say I ran a CPC through a steel conduit, yeah. is, especially with a new installation, is it best for me to try to test prior to connecting it to the parallel, to identify the parallel? Or should I connect it and then just compensate that the parallels will give me? Basically, I won't be able to determine that protective conductor's continuity if the parallels. This is it. This is it. When you do your calculation, if you're using metal conduit, metal containment, when you mm. do your calculation, um, you will find that when you do your test, that hang on, these readings are actually lower. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and that's because of your parallel paths. Now, okay, that's we can't sort of go around and sort of take undo every single connection or wait to do every connection. But the one at the board, I think, is the important one. Don't don't connect it in at the board, okay? To remove some of those parallel paths, test the cables before you terminate. Mm, I think also what's quite important is to make sure, I mean, if your parallels are a part of your wiring system, then all of that is stationary. It's if you have parallel paths that are through alternative means that could be temporary. You know, that's what mm. we don't want to actually yeah. record and actually, you know, accept. Yeah. Another... So, Another thing you can highlight is if, you, again, if you've got metal containment, metal trunking, mm. uh, you do an R1, R2 test, uh, and you get a reading which is much, much lower than you expected from your calculation, that yeah. could be highlighting that you've actually got a life conductor caught maybe in the turnbuckle of your trunking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, halfway down the actual circuit, you've got this fault and you're getting a much lower reading because you've got a much shorter mm. path. But it's so easy just to go, oh, well, that's parallel. Yeah. You just automatically tick, oh, yeah, that's parallel, and then you carry on. And again, that's again, that's, that's important reasons why the installation resistance test follows this test. Absolutely. When you do your installation resistance, hang on, I've got a dead short. Yeah. Okay. And then one of the one of the problems we have is that guys will then go and find where the fault is, repair the fault, and then won't bother doing the continuity test again. Mm. Okay. So if you've got a fault like that in a trunking system, where you've got a dead short between your, your your line and your CPC, then remember, once you've repaired that fault, you've got to go back and do your continuity test again because it was that fault that was giving you continuity in the first place. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've always got to consider whenever we find issues in the testing inspection process, right? how that has affected previous tests. Yeah, And we have to go back and repeat those tests to make sure that they are now giving us a proper reading. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, okay, we do, we do the R1, R2, and I've got, you know, no issues with the actual practical way of doing it. I just, it's, it's just the calculation and, and some of the business of not connecting at the board. The problem then, all right, we go on to ring final circuits, okay, but what have we forgotten? Well, think about your radial circuits, your lighting circuits. Um, nobody's tested the neutral. I haven't got a box it, for neutral. No, it isn't the box. This is one of the big issues. Why is should I? Standard, the standard documentation doesn't provide you with a box. And what I've been teaching for years with guys is that mm. on your uh, schedule to test results, you've got two columns. One is for R1, R2. One is for R2 alone, which I generally use when I'm doing EICRs and I can't turn the circuit off. I can go around with a wandering lead and still prove I've got a, an earth. So I generally only use that for EICRs. But if I'm doing an EIC, all right, I've done my R1, R2, 
go, I need to, that's a better test to do anyway, because I can prove polarity and functional switching and everything else during the process of that test. The R2 column then stays empty. So what I tend to do is I will change that to R1, Rn. Yeah, And I will then do the same process. I will connect the line and neutral together at the fuse board, and I will go to down the circuit, and I will test that I've got continuity on the line and neutral. That effectively gives me an R1, Rn value, and I'll record that on the test sheet. We don't test neutrals. Why in hell don't we test neutrals? Hmm. And at, at countless times, I've been to installations that have been wired by other people, and you get there, and, and they're saying, well, half the lights don't work. And you know before you even start that it's going to be a problem with a, a break in the neutral. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I, um, I had, there's, there's some interesting com um, comments coming up in the chat. Did you want me to collect them for the end or kind of bring them in as we go through? Throw them in as you go, um, if you like. We'll, we'll just see how the time goes, yeah? Yeah, okay, okay. You carry on the sentence, and I'll find some. Uh, yeah, uh, right yeah I, I remember one particular circuit in a major sporting complex where we ha actually had one circuit we were of lighting we were brought in to look at because it had loads of faults in it and wasn't working, and it had four breaks in the neutral. As you went down the circuit, okay, there was four occasions where the neutral was broken on one circuit. It's just ridiculous. Okay, mm. so testing of neutrals will overcome that. We make sure we've got neutral all the way down the circuit. It's for a start, it's less embarrassing when you turn everything off at the end. At the end, or, sorry, turn everything on, and half the stuff doesn't work, and the client looks at you as if you're a complete wally. But secondly, and more importantly, if you're not testing the continuity of your neutrals, when you come to do insulation resistance testing, you are not testing part of the circuit. You're not including those conductors. So another thing that happens is that turn everything on, half the lights aren't working, for instance. You repair the joint in the neutral or the connection in the neutral, turn the circuit back on, not thinking, and then there's a big bang because you've actually got a dead short further down the circuit, which you didn't pick up because the neutral wasn't connected in the first place. Mm. Okay, so it's it's you know it's one of these things. We why don't we test neutrals? It's always astounded me. You know, it's a current carrying conductor. Why aren't we testing the thing? Okay, so I tend to do this after I've done my continuity of CPC. I've done my R1, R2. I would do it, and I would do an R1, RN. And I, as you know, and you do the same. We you know we teach apprentices, and we teach everybody that we have on the training courses for testing inspection we teach them that approach all right it's, yeah, it's, well, got, it gives, it's got to be the way forward it's it gives us be. it gives us data that we need okay so a comment going back to when you mentioned about doing your continuity prior to connecting so with them loose there's a couple yeah, of yeah, yeah. Say, so how are you going to verify the, in the integrity of the connections if your continuity tests are carried out prior to connection so well, it, all the, the circuit is all connected yeah okay, so connected you're just talking down. about you're just I'm talking about at the db I'm only talking about the connect, the final connection at the DB. Right. I have my cables all coming back to the DB, and I don't terminate them in at the DB. I will have them hanging loose. I'll do my continuity tests. Once mm. I've done my continuity tests, I will then terminate the cables. Mm. Because when it comes to insulation resistance testing, I do want them all in at the DB. Because right. you've got all those parallel paths then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so you'll verify um, that last connection when you do that one, and then all the other connections are checked with your. All the other, all the other connections are done. The circuit is complete, apart, of course, if I've got PIRs and photocells and stuff like that, which are going to affect my insulation yeah. resistance testing. Yeah, so yeah. anything that I've got disconnected for that, yeah, I'll leave out. And I always say to guys, you've got to install in preparation to test. 
Yeah. What is the point of installing everything, connecting everything? Then you come to do an installation resistance this, test. This does. Oh, I've got to go and disconnect everything now. This does become a big problem though when we have one team installing, one team commissioning. It yeah, I'm not an issue. I'm not a fan of that either. I'm not a fan of that. Never <laughs> have been. I, I just think if you're an electrician, you're an electrician. You should be able to install. You should be able to test. Uh, it's like if you're going to if you're going to jump out of a plane with a parachute. You know, if you know about jumping out of planes, you'd rather check your own parachute rather than leave it to somebody else. Um, you know, it, why why get other people to test your work? You want to test your own work uh, so that you can make sure it's all functioning, all working before you leave. It, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. different people testing uh okay uh, nick's got an interesting point here so i thought right he says i thought testing without parallels was giving you a worst case scenario with parallels in place your impedances will be lower yes so is so yeah so yeah but you could, without you, parallels what, what's yeah. the problem with having them in you're getting lower readings the the, the other thing no is with that right you're getting lower readings but mm -hmm. also you're having false readings because if you've got a connection to your um, earthing buzz bar or earthing bar in the back at the board. Yeah, you may have a number of circuits. Say you've got talking about a metal containment system. Yeah, conduit trunking, and you're feeding six lighting circuits down there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right, all of those lighting circuits will have a connection via the CPC to the conduit or the trunking system. Yeah. Okay. So if you're testing circuit one, right, and you've got it connected into the earth bar. Mm -hmm. even if you've got a break in that you'll get a reading off of it because every other circuit is also connected to the same trunk into the same conduit yeah and that's i mean fundamentally this, this, test, this, test, this test is called continuity of protective conductor for that circuit and that's the mm. point you know we need to verify the integrity of that one conductor for this but it does there is a point to, to actually cover here though that we do need to do we'll cover the ZSs a bit later with the parallels in place because those reduced impedances yeah, yeah. do have a negative consequence, don't yeah. they? they? Which do. we'll, we'll cover in a bit. Yeah, yeah. parallel paths absolutely fine with that because obviously it's it's reducing the overall impedance. But all I want to make sure of is that each individual circuit has actually got a proper earth. <laughs> yeah, as required to be a, a service proper system. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's not relying on the other circuits and the multiple sort of connections to the trunking and the conduit. And they're providing a, 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 you know, they're covering the fact that you've actually got a break in this circuit. You're still getting the reading, but there's a break in the circuit further on down. And this yeah. is one of the issues. You know, it's difficult with metal containment, but one thing, I, as I say, leave the cables out at the end and, and test from the board and then terminate before you go on to installation resistance. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um... A couple yeah. people saying, yeah, a couple people saying, I was taught to test the neutrals on my 2391. Which is great. Great. Fantastic. Um, the R1RN test only takes five minutes to carry at the end of the circuit. No one should why you wouldn't do that. Absolutely. Uh, did the NIC certs not cover the neutral R1 plus RN test to record it? I'm not sure. They may I'm have not, I, I don't use them. I don't all we, use them. Yeah, all we know is the model form in BS7671 that I've got in front of me does not. No. It does not have an R1 plus RN column. The model form doesn't. The on-site guide doesn't have it in the sequence of testing. The guidance note 3 doesn't have it in the yeah. sequence of testing. But many, and many organizations, such as Electroform as well, are kind of evolving their certification. Fantastic. And that's, that's great. And that's, that's what we want. We want it to... But why isn't it recognized by the IET? <laughs> I don't know. You know, people look well, to them for guidance. This is one of the big issues in the electrical industry is the fact that we don't get a standard of guidance from all points. You know, okay. we've got all these different ideas and everybody looks to the IET for guidance and, and to lead the play thing, but yeah, know, they're 
they're falling behind. You know, it's, yeah. it's a bit of a shame, really. There's two interesting comments here. Kenny says, uh, Mr. Nick Hanley of the NICRC taught us to do this on the 239152. So they, the NIC teach you to do R1RNs. But then Stuart Good. says, but the NICRC forms don't have the space for recording it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so that's so, a bit of an issue, isn't it? Yeah. 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 But uh, I just imagine it's, um, yeah. I think I think a lot of people are starting to see the benefit of of doing it, and I think a lot of people are starting to evolve beyond that. And Good. I've had a chat with Mark Coles and similar at the committees, and we kind of moan about the lack of improvement here. I mean, we've added the AFDD, and we've taken away the other functionality for RCDs, which is just even yeah. more frustrating. Just mm. needs to be redone a little bit here. Yeah, and this is okay. this is why. Personally, I don't actually use anybody else's documentation. I actually design my own and use my own. No, as I it's say, fit, it's fit for purpose. As I say, and we say with the five guys when we do that, work from the regs, which means if you fall, if your work falls down, it lands on the regs. Yeah, it's a foundation, but add to it, enhance from yeah. it. Yeah, the IT forms are the basic minimum, and they're the absolute minimum. And yeah, I, I. I have that plus many other things and people have got to not be worried about it. You know, we mustn't be scared about improving and going our own way and having our own forms. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of really good electricians out there. There's a lot of guys that really, really know what they're doing, you know, and the basic forms are letting them down. So if you want to design Agreed. your own forms uh, and have them laid out how you want them, crack on guys, believe in your own ability. You know what you're doing, you know, and nobody can have a go at you about it as long as you've got, the basic requirements plus you know this it's the way forward cool so yeah testing neutrals um, the other thing about this of course is that um it proves our continuity of our neutral mm -hmm. it gives us comparison with calculated values so, so again we can see if there's any loose connections if you consider a loose neutral um why are we so worried about loose connections in the live conductor are not worried about loose connections in the neutral. It's a current carrying conductor. You know, if, if there's current loading on the circuit, it's going to arc, it's going to overheat, it's going to catch fire. It doesn't matter whether it's the oh, line we, or the neutral conductor. We know it was one of the main culprits for the reason yeah. that we now have metal boards because of that neutral terminal not being given the same due respect because it's not getting the maintenance. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is total nonsense. Yeah. Um, also, obviously, I mean, it stands to reason we need to test the neutral when we're proving polarity on radio socket outlets, and, mm -hmm. and most people would will do that anyway. The other thing about the R1 RN value, it actually gives us a useful value that we can use when calculating volt drop. Yeah, yeah, it technically gives us a measurement of circuit. Resistance, resistance, isn't it? Yeah. So we can simply, almost simply, multiply that by the design current for the circuit. Hey, there's your volt drop. Mm. Times yeah. one point two, I think, wasn't it? Which was that? Make sure, make sure you multiply by the one point two for the increase yeah. in temperature when the circuit is being used. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So as long as you follow the calculations using the proper factors and everything else, it gives you a nice, a, a proper reading for calculating volt drop. Mm. Nice. <clears throat> what does so, I say? In my test sheets, I don't. Um, even if you're using the standard test sheets, you could use that R two column if you need to just change it to r1 plus rn that's what i do with the standard test sheets when we're doing mm -hmm. training um so if you're using standard test sheets or any other test sheet where you've got an r1 r2 plus an r2 column well you could just adapt that to r1 rn if you're finding problems it does it does seem a waste to have an r1 r2 or r2 column it just yeah. why can't just have an r1 rn r2 and scratch out or or do that and then have an R1 RN yeah. column. If yeah. we have, if real estate is the problem here, 
with this model form. If that is, because I've heard that excuse a few times, real estate, there's not enough space. And it needs to just be a bit more sensible. With Have another form. Well, yeah. Expand the form. That's what I've got. I've got two pages for it. Yeah. Um, and the, the new one I've designed, I've got two pages for the test results uh, and all the circuit information. I just don't think there's enough room on that form. We're forever trying to squeeze in numbers onto those silly little boxes yeah, and in the end, you, I mean, especially with my eyesight, now I'm getting old and crotchety, you know, it's yeah. a real struggle to read it. Mm. So why not split the form into two sides? Maybe we can have live testing, dead testing, yeah, uh, and make the boxes bigger and provide more boxes so that we've got the right number of boxes for the sorts of tests that we're going to be doing. Mm. So we can record everything, all those important values, mm. you know. Okay, so then we go on to continuity of rings. And again, we've got the same issue. We, we do the continuity of ring. We do the end-to-ends. We do the crossover of the line and neutral. We get an R1, RN value. Uh, and then we go on to step three. We do the crossover of the line CPC. We get an R1, R2 value. But we only record the R1, R2. Why don't we record the R1, RN? You know, we've taken a value. <laughs> this is even more ridiculous. We've taken a, a, a value. We don't even record it. That's, again, this is a, another thing that I see. I see a lot of people skipping it because they don't have to record it. It is, uh, it is, this is of, an issue. Yeah. A lot of people evolve their work because they only do the work necessary to fill in the form. Yeah. I mean, the very first comment I saw today was about, you know, about these, you know, housing associations and some of that are pushing for up to, you know, eight or 10 of these jobs a day. And that's what's happening is people will be rushed. I mean, we're going to talk about inspection a lot more tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, we're sacrificing the actual technical component of this work where the real magic happens to get numbers to put into the fields and so the tests like this r1 rn for ring finals there's no feel for that it does become overlooked or skipped yeah uh, it is it's such an issue at the moment is this business of you know you, you can bang out eight tests a day and, and do it so much per circuit um and we've got to start thinking about these things and we've got to start putting our digging our heels in the sand and say no we can't do this and if everybody did it if everybody sang from the same hymn book then we could actually charge the right amount and spend the right amount of time when we're doing inspection and testing and i always think about if you took your car down to the garage for an mot would you feel happy if the if the mechanic just kicked the four tires and said yeah that's okay <laughs> you know you True. wouldn't feel happy about it so why are people happy about rushing electrical inspection and testing mm. You know, it, it, it seems crazy to me. This is a, an installation which causes fires, causes electric shock, yeah. causes all sorts of other problems. And yeah. people are just, it's, oh, you know, let's again, just rush through it. There are large organizations that will sell their life to the companies that tell them that they will achieve compliance with their services. And they know that all they have to do is hit this sheet to provide this documentation. And so the people that are pushed to do the work very rapidly, very aggressively, the actual skill is lost. And I'm seeing lots of people talking here about putting the numbers on, you know, you could put, some people were told to put the R1RNs on the back of the cert because there's no space on the front. You know, people know how it should be done, but the industry, this, this, this model form needs to, oh, it needs up, it the needs... hand of those that are actually allowing this, this rushed practice to occur. If we improve the amount of technical requirement in the model form, then everyone's going to have to come up to a higher level. Because you know, right yeah. now, right now we're falling lower than the level that we need to. Absolutely, yeah, mm. and, and it is driving standards down. That's Definitely. the trouble. It's driving standards down. The the the, the, the IET. we've got, 
the forms that we've got, the practices that we've got, and this driver of cost all the time and time, yeah, is driving standards down. It, it's you know, you there's no there's no way of getting around it. People are under pressure all the time to produce and to get through a mountain of work in ridiculous amount of time. Um, and we've got to start saying no, this can't happen. And we've got to start protecting the industry, protecting ourselves, and going mm. back to the customers, saying, "Well, you know, do you want this job done properly or not?" Yeah, and it's, it is a shame. And we we've seen. I mean, we were working at a location just recently. We saw large, you know, many stickers from a very large organisation. Oh God, yeah. And we're finding observations. We carried out tests, and this this installation was what was it fifteen years old now? Yeah, fifteen, sixteen so years it's old. Ha- it's had three or so EICs. It's had three. 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 And we yeah. were doing tests, just a simple loop test, but we we're interpreting the information to say that's not going to achieve this. This is un- this is safe, unsafe, but it's been in service um, mm. because people just aren't you know putting in the effort it, or putting it, in the it's, work. It's it's passed three. It's it's passed initial verification when it was first installed. It's passed two EICRs since then mm. by allegedly reputable companies. We won't go into what, what badges and whatever they've got. Yeah. Um, and yet we go along, and as you saw, that piece of trunking, a piece of trunking held up by a piece of rope, swinging yeah. in midair. You know, I mean, who on earth would pass that? It's because it's because it's, it's because you took down a hatch and you put your head up in a hole that anyone else would go lin. Yeah, well, that's that's why. <laughs> it wasn't even that. I just opened the door up. This was the thing. It was in a cupboard. It was in a cupboard. Uh, was it? Uh, it, it was know, in one of those even... one of those lin cupboards. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, you, yeah. You know me, I'm not the most agile of persons. I'm not yeah. going to get into all the little nooks and crannies. This was just in a cupboard, mm. and there was a piece of trunking swinging in midair. And you think, how on earth does that pass three tests mm. by reputable firms? Uh, I come along, I, not even getting my test uh, equipment out. As you know, don't need to. Uh, you and yeah. me are the same. We, we spend a lot of time doing inspection because 85% of what you find will be by inspection. Not by testing when you're doing an EICR. You know, I don't even get my tester out for the first few hours. I have a good look round. All right. Uh, yeah. How is it? It's been missed three times. And yeah. it's, it's all down to cost. Cost driving. Indeed. So. Indeed. Okay. So, again, yeah, here we are, ring final circuit. We do an R1 RN test. We don't even bother recording it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And again, we should do the calculations, right? As in the, in the book, do the calculations first. Make sure that we are achieving. Round about the same values. It doesn't have to be spot on, but you know, close. And as long as we're achieving good values, um, then we can say, yeah, fine, that's great. But record the R1RN. Don't just ignore it. Mm. Insulation resistance. Uh, again, this is a test we carry out, and we t- carry out tests here that are not recorded. Um, uh, and I think about again when I'm talking about insulation resistance tests. The best way of doing an insulation resistance test is to have all the cables connected. So you've got all your neutrals in your buzz bars, all your neutral bars. You've got all your cables terminated in the MCBs, all your CPCs into the earth bar. And you test the installation as much as you can in lumps. You know, we used to be able to test it all as one board. Nowadays, with split load RCDs, um, we, we can't do that. We have to test it in two chunks. Yeah. But But we end up doing three tests. We end up doing... Between the live conductors, line and neutral, we end up doing line to CPC. We end up doing neutral to CPC. So we do three tests. We've got two two columns. Yes, mm-hmm. and I know that one is for live to live and one is for um, live to earth. But we're doing three tests. Why not record the three values? And what about when we come to three phase? 
you know, I, 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 I'm sure I remember once, I don't know if it was an old NIC form, I'm sure I remember seeing a form that had um, Line to Neutral and Live to Live yeah. and Live to Earth. I'm sure I saw it somewhere. I'm a firm believer that if you do a test, you should record it. If you've got a value, record it. If you, know? you record, yeah. Yeah, so then you can see any degradation, mm. you know, over time. When you come back to doing EICR, remember e EICRs is all about checking a system out mm. and the testing part of the EICR is to see whether there's been any degradation yeah, in the actual system. Yeah. Just gonna now, add a... If you haven't got all the test results from the EIC, you're not going to see it. Mm. Just going to bring up one comment here because we just talked about obviously having um, a site that had three three inspections and obviously nothing was found. And so um, Keith has basically said, Phil, are you sure the observations haven't just been missed or uh, were actually missed, but they were just not ignored by the client. No, there was all. There was all. <laughs> I looked at the. I looked at the documentation. It was all yeah. satisfactory. It's, satisfactory. It's, there was nothing on the inspection sheets at all. But it's worth mentioning that we've we've ha you've had how long a working relationship with this client over history? Over history, we're talking about oh, best part of um, thirty-five. Yeah. 40 years something like that yeah and so they've not really asked you to do this kind of work mainly because you know you're like a one-man band with a couple of guys helping you out now and then you you know the scale well, I, of work. I, as you know i shut down the electrical contracting started training and i went into training so yeah. i said cheerio to them and off i went um so and then they asked then they asked me to come back yeah so you knew you knew, you did you knew the client and you got the information from the client and they were under the assumption that all observations were recorded but i take your point keith i do know that many clients are completely ignorant to actually taking action on any recommendations and just oh yeah yeah on. yeah that is true yeah, I, I i say i it's always not go with back to previous sheets always go and look at the previous documentation mm. i don't i, I know because obviously quite often you, you'll give a inspection and test sheet to a client and they won't even know what they're looking no. at you know I, I say it's a lot with e5 guys the electrical industry i think of electrical safety first as one of the key people who should push for this we need to find great ways to help educate clients on the importance of properly yeah. sitting down with the electrical inspectors and reading it uh similarly you know electrical inspectors need to be able to report things in the correct way with regards to regulation non-conformance but also translating it into english for the client to interpret yeah. So there's, you know, there's a bit where we have to find a way for the information to get across. All we've actually done is change the name of the document from a periodic yeah. inspection report to an electrical installation condition report. That was supposed to do that to let the clients understand the document better, but there's not enough work being done for that, I think. It always amazes me. Uh, you talk about information and keeping the client informed. It always amazes me when you come to an EIC, you know, and we're talking about mainly domestic where we're chasing cables into a wall and then plastering over them and we have to do it in the zones you know and we have to sort of make sure we come down vertically and horizontally and there's lovely pictures in the on-site guide and building regs book and everything showing where we can run the cables and where we shouldn't be running the cables <laughs> yeah and then we don't tell the customer that no so we as electricians know where the cables should be but we never give that information to the customer now we go away the customer goes and drills straight through a cable and we come in fact back thinking well what a wally you are but we didn't give them that information. So I always say to guys now on the inspection and testing courses, mm. give them a copy of that document, show them 
where the zones are. Well, yeah, and I mean, inform when, when... them not to put, you know, <laughs> shelves up and mirrors and pictures and whatever in those places. If wouldn't they don't have that information, they can't act on it. Wouldn't it be great if we actually produced? I mean, there is a mention in the beginning of a this pack. for larger installations about the technical manual. It's supposed to go into a pack with manufacturer's instructions and all the all the all the things. But something mm. as simple as an illustration of the wall and the routing of the cables for the actual client to actually then understand yep. how to safely work around the electrical installation you've provided seems yeah. like it's such an obvious thing to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but we don't do it. You know, and this is why I say. I, I tend to say to guys now on inspection and testing courses, do it. And I say to them about putting a little pack together, all the information, manufacturer's instructions and the operating instructions for things like your bathroom fan timers, your mm. PI, PIRs and stuff like that. Put that all into a pack and give that to the customer along with all the inspection and testing sheets. Mm. Okay, It looks professional. You mm. can put logos on everything. You can make it part of your marketing. And the customer will look at what you've given them Value. And look at look at what somebody else has got from Joe Bloggs down the road who knew a bloke down the, down the pub who who did their rewire for cash, mm. you know, and they think, well, hang on, perhaps I didn't get such a good deal because this person who's paid for a proper electrician has got all this information, and I just got a a, a system which seems to work, but I'm not really sure. Yeah, you know? um, it, it's it's good, it's good marketing, it's it's good professional approach to the work. So it's, it's something worth considering. Put a pack together. Give it to the customer. Give them that information. Mm. Okay, so, yeah, uh, I talked about three-phase. You know, if we're doing three-phase installation resistance testing, again, we've got nowhere nowhere to record the individual results. Um, and commonly, when we're doing three-phase insulation resistance tests, we could end up doing up to 10 tests mm. on that. So, again, as I said to you earlier this morning, really, we need to be looking at a separate type of form when we're looking at three phase installations i don't this form does not work and it does say i know it says in the uh regs says this is for domestic domestic up to 100 small installations up to 100 amps but nobody's ever said to anybody well what do we use for bigger installations yeah Mm. that technically does give you free (laughs) license to create something really use it as a basis but Mm. do your own develop your own and you know don't be worried about doing your own stuff guys Uh, okay, so we've got self or pelv circuits. We've got self lighting, pelv lighting. Um, where on the form do we put that? Because we've got to make sure that we've got, if we're using self transformers, yeah. that we've got electrical separation. We've got to make sure that self circuit is uh, tested as well as the LV circuit. So we've got several parts to, mm. if, we, if we've got self lighting in a system, we've got the LV part of the system we've got the actual self transformer itself to make sure we've got electrical separation and then we've also got maybe the self part of the circuit mm. this uh, is, this there's is, no this is... nowhere in the form for it no because right now there's just a tick for compliance with the protective measures required yeah in the inspection schedule but as we know from the testing there are requirements of um different values of insulation resistance different applied voltages yeah. different conditions so it's not a stat you know does that just come under the generic insulation test or well, self-circuit or not and in the future with we, you know we are going to have a lot more systems of elv um yeah. maybe even going down the data route and we're going to have to mm. look at how that integrates yeah so segregation of these different systems is going to be a lot more of a requirement yeah well when you consider take one test on its own the electrical separation test which is 500 volt looking for five mega ohms mm-hmm. um okay it's a totally different test to insulation resistance 
but there's absolutely nowhere on the form for us to put that. So yeah. once again, you know, perhaps we should be designing our own forms. And again, that's one of the things that I've got on mine. But um, yeah, you know, if we do have cell or PEL systems, we've got very limited opportunity to record any tests that we do on it. So once again, you know, like the gentleman said earlier, you know, people start, end up writing it on the back, which is great because it's recorded. But why should we be doing that? There should be a, a, a proper form for this. Yeah, you've mentioned obviously the installation disconnecting equipment. There's a couple of comments there about USB sockets as well. Often yes, would need yep. to be disconnected. Yeah, um, these little these little new introductions to the to the work just suddenly change the performance of testing. You know, it, you it, go from one job that has no USB, you carry the IR test where you've always done it. Yeah. You go to another job where two USB sockets have been introduced. They may not like the installation test. They may not do. And this is, again, one of these situations where you have to install in preparation to test. Mm. So in those, in those situations, if you've got USB sockets that don't like the insulation resistance test and are giving mm. you false readings or whatever, you may have to just leave that socket down and actually just connect the cables together at the socket outlet do the test and then connect the socket out there afterwards. Now, if you have to go down that process and obviously you've got to make, so you make doubly sure, be very uh, certain that when you're connecting up, you've got your polarity right and you've got your connections right and you do everything correctly. But yeah, with USB sockets, um, yeah. yeah, they're a real issue. Also, USB are a source of their own supply technically. So we would have to, in some way, either plug in a USB tester to verify the output of the current and the voltage. There's nowhere to. Okay, so pass where do we that. Get, yeah, where do we get the test? Where do we get the tester from and the test leads? Well, and the, well and where do you we can actually buy, record the result? You can buy yeah. USB testers. I think yeah. um, someone just mentioned Climate one. Um, I, I think um, is it Martindale or Amprope or someone else makes one, but I'm thinking of a couple in my mind. But yeah. reporting that information or functionality or confirmation of functional that. testing isn't it surely yeah well again but that guidance there this is again this is why 2391 needs to evolve indeed yeah a bit yeah 2391 is getting old when we need to update it we need to start including these new technologies smart mm. technologies and everything else you were talking yesterday about smart te technology on the ber7671 future uh, mm. webinar with paul uh, we need to start embracing those new smart technologies otherwise we're going to fall behind you know, and we've got to look at it as a real opportunity, actually, for more work for electricians rather than thinking, oh, Christ, I, I, I don't know anything about that. I'm not sure if I can do that. We need to embrace it. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and it's an opportunity. We're just talking about 2391. Stevens just said they've simplified 2391 because not enough people, oh. were, not enough oh. people were passing it. Now, you and I have oh. delivered 2391 oh. for a long time. Are we going to say that they've simplified it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've got to be honest here. Yeah, yeah. it's um, it's not what it was. The old two three nine one years ago, um, before yeah. the two three nine four and two three nine five, the old two three nine was an absolute bugger, um, and it was a proper test, and it was it was difficult. They they then split it into the two three nine four and the two three nine five, and that was they weren't too bad. You had the written exams. It, the written exams were the ones that used to trip people up. Uh, but that's um, the key, though. That's the bit that actually gets engineering judgment. Absolutely, out of absolutely. And you know, you know, it, exams and assessments shouldn't be so easy that everybody passes. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm a firm believer in any any training establishment. Anybody that says, "Oh, we get 100 percent pass rate," well, there's something wrong with your assessments, mate, because not everybody can pass. Mm -hmm. Especially not everybody passing first time. Um, the two three nine four, two three nine five. 
Um, I think nationally they had a pass rate that wavered between 40% and 70%, depending on which edition of the exam you did. Mm-hmm. The exams used to be used to go like there was a hard one, then there was an easy one, then there was a hard one, then there was an yeah. easy one. And so if you timed it right, you got the easy exam. And City and Guilds, I don't know what's going on there, but it seemed to be that City and Guilds would, oh, hang on, we only got 40% of the people passing, we'll make the next exam easier. There are, there are just a couple of questions that would go around the circle that would call, that would catch people out a lot of the time, and then they'd throw them back in and they'd take them out. Yeah. That's the way it was structured. But the, so the 2394 to 2395 in themselves weren't so bad. One of the issues, though, was that the 2394 especially, um, they started almost giving it away on the modern apprenticeships. Well, they have, so it, haven't it, they? It, it became some... part of the modern apprenticeship. Yeah. But the assessment processes and whatever weren't as strict, shall we say. Yeah. Because you, know, you had a number of guys all going through their inspection and testing um, practical, right? and inevitably they ended up getting assistance and mm. almost being spoon-fed. Some of them. I'm not saying then, all of them. I'm saying some of them because I've seen it in action. And it, it, ups, it upsets me, though, because it means that guys who want to do the 2 3 one today, you know, they can only do the qualifications that are offered to them. And the Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, and we don't want them to cut, you know, we don't want to keep referring to them as not having the old, and that we need to find ways to enhance this level, to well, raise it up again, to actually give them that ability yeah. Yeah. And this is where, where you and I have been working together on stuff, and you, you use this terminology quite a lot, leveling up. Mm, yeah, trying to. So rather than just doing the basic 2391, we tried to deliver a little bit more than that, and we tried to get people up to a bit of a higher level, a bit, bit more understanding, a bit more knowledge. Mm. And that's important. Um, we don't just want to get people scraping through and inspection and testing, ticking the boxes and saying, right, off you go. No, because uh, we're, we're going to just have this form-filling nonsense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forevermore. Uh, we, yeah. We, you know, we, need, we need people but to it, apply it. Yeah, uh, but I, I've got to admit, you know, it, the simple answer to the gentleman's sort of um, uh, statement is yes, I, I have to agree that the 2391 now is easier. Um, uh, it's, you, don't, you don't have the written exam yeah, that goes his, off to City and Guilds. Yeah, no, his... Here's my here's my here's my problem with it. Obviously now, yeah, city and guilds are saving a lot of money because they don't have to have markers write written exams. It's all on demand. The written assessment part of it now is pre-written, which yep. means it's written once. I don't know if they update it every year or so, but the questions have been written. No. Nope. So I know the questions right now, and if mm. I know the questions right now as a trainer, that my candidates are going to have to sit. I can adjust my training to them i can feed them that information yeah to get them through but if before that it wasn't the 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 exams would come in a gray envelope just a day or so a plastic envelope exam, and you, you weren't, weren't allowed, allowed to, to open, open it, it. 15 and city, minutes yeah and city and guilds would do random visits and they'd come and round and visit you and if mm. you'd open the envelope you were that was it yeah yeah so you had to yeah. keep them sealed it was all well and you didn't know what the questions were but now yeah. you do mm. I'm not saying that this is in any way going to adjust the way trainers are delivering it, but I know, I know that they're aware of it. We, well, anyway. we know, we know from experience that uh, there is that, um, you know, you are, yeah, a tendency. There's a people are sort of drawn to. Oh, hang on, let's have a look at the questions, or oh, we'll sort of direct our training 
to make sure we cover those points. Um, and if you've got the same six questions all the time or the same four questions all the time, then um, nothing's going to change, is it? Yeah. Uh, let's, let's get back onto this. But yeah, um, okay. everyone watching, we, we are passionate about the subject. We are passionate about doing it properly. <laughs> we agree. We agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's not to say that the guys, some of the guys that are going through training at the moment, some of the guys that have been through training recently, some of them are really good sparks. Yeah. I'm not saying that, you know, everybody is all oh, not as good as they used to be because I'm not. There's a lot of really, really good guys in the uh, industry now. Guys, you know, girls. No, no, if, there's if, a lot of really good sparks out there. Yeah, yeah I agree. But, but the training, ain't, it needs leveling up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it does. Let's move on. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, earth fault loop impedance. Um, there's two methods that are prescribed. The measurement using a tester. Yay. Yep. Or calculation of R1, R2 plus ZE. Um, there's arguments that have been made to support this business of doing the calculation method and not actually doing a proper uh, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna measurement. I'm going to throw something at you now, Father. Go on. I'm hearing a lot that the NICOSC are saying you should just calculate ZSs on your light circuits because it's not live work and it's safe. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't agree. I just think that um, it's a test. If you're going to test Eddie, how are you going to test Eddie? Oh, that's a live work. That's that's fine. Ah, but, but, so it's but, okay to test Eddie live, but you can't test at a lighting circuit. Well, well, that, that's different. It's about minimising the extent of live work, and they think that it's okay to calculate all the time. Yeah, I, I, I personally don't agree because I think actually doing the proper test, getting a proper value, uh, has got great merits mm. rather than using a calculated value which could be maybe possibly mm. depending on where you've taken it from and how you've taken it could yeah. be affected by your measure your testing regime yeah you may have all sorts of things that are going on i just think proper testing of a, a ze and as a proper zs uh is king i always test i don't do this business of add this to add that i just i, I do it as a check yeah as a check yeah. the only the one time i will do it is if I've got a dead installation, brand new, yeah, I haven't got a supply coming in yet, okay, and then I can get my ZE by inquiry, which we all know is a load of nonsense anyway, because they'll mm. give you a bog standard figure, all right, and I've got my R1RN, R1R2, and I can do my calculations from there. I use my R1R2 to give me my ZS, all right, and I'll put that on the forms, but those forms are then hung by the fuse board. The DNO will come in, see that I've actually tested the thing and i know what i'm doing then they'll give me a supply then i'll just simply take those forms and redo the whole lot tear up the forms i had initially just using the same test results okay and actually do the proper live testing rather than calculated yeah. values I, th I think the argument is in domestic it's most likely most likely to be a pvc insulated and sheathed wiring system so the presence of parallel paths are yeah. going to be non-existent this is a lot of assumption uh -huh. and therefore this is the thing um if i was to say you know you can't calculate them because you must consider parallel paths. And parallel paths obviously revolve in lower impedances. The R1 yeah. plus R2 does not include parallel paths. And so combining a parallel path with lower impedance and lower impedance, as we know, will increase fault current. And I think yeah. what they think of is, well, because you don't have parallel paths in the dwelling environments, <laughs> we can lean on calculation and keep people working safely. I don't like yeah. it. I don't like it. Uh, yeah, that's it, why they say it. I, I know that testing uh, light fittings, for instance, uh, with pendants, ceiling roses, if we mm. still use the things, um, 
yeah, that could be awkward. I know that. Um, but things are, I know QTech and various other manufacturers do an adapter you can actually put into your lamp holder and you can stick your test leads into those. Uh, obviously, you sometimes get your polarity crossed over, but if you've checked your polarity on your continuity test already, then that's mm -hmm. fine. You can just swap them over. Yeah. Uh, and then the only thing you need to do is then make contact with the, the earth point on the ceiling rose. You're not actually going in with probes into the actual ceiling rose itself. Okay, yeah. so that actually makes it even safer. I, I just think that we're electricians. If we can't do earth loop impedance testing at the end of final circuits, then who else I might, can? I might, I might as well pack up. I might as yeah. well just go and. Um, I've just seen a comment, and I've had this discussion a few times before about it's live testing, not live working. I saw um, a couple of people have said, yes, yeah, not live work. Now, no. the problem with this is what is live work? Hmm. Okay, now this is the Health and Safety Executives HSR 25 book, Electricity at Work Regulations, yeah? Yeah. Now, according to this, under Regulation 14, which is the Live Work Regulation, Paragraph 218, Testing, it says Regulation 14 will often apply to electrical testing. Testing to establish whether electrical conductors are live or dead should always be done on the assumption that they may be live, and therefore it should be assumed this regulation is applicable until such time as the conductors have been proved dead. So, from the perspective of this, any work that is electrical testing, whether it's working live or working to prove dead, is considered to be under the requirements of guidance of electricity work regulation 14, which is live work. Mm -hmm. So it's under, there's, there's a couple of things here. I mean, there's, there's live work, there's live testing. If the system is energized and you're exposed to it, it's, it's live work, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. If I've disconnected uh, the system, uh, if I've disconnected the system and I'm doing continuity testing, that could be dead work. Yeah. If I'm doing installation tests and I'm using a source of power from my battery instrument, which can generate to 500 volts DC. That's live work. That's live work. So what is yeah. it that's not live work in this? Okay. So are we saying that we can't do installation resistance testing now because it's live work? I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm saying you must comply with the requirements of Regulation 14, which is determining if you need to do it. You yeah. need to be near it while you're doing it and what yeah. suitable precautions you're taking yeah. to prevent injury. Yeah, absolutely. If you, we you say could... it's not live work then we're not doing the requirements of electricity work regulations. We need to say, yes, it is. Who should be near it? Who should not be near it? And what precautions mm -hmm. are taken to control it? Yeah. And the same test, the same protocol uh, applies all the way through testing is that we always have to be aware of who's around, who's, it, mm -hmm. who's actually anywhere near the installation when we're doing the test. Okay. Uh, and we have to control that, manage that. Mm -hmm. all, all part of the sort of method statement and the, and the, and the you know, the risk assessment. But, when we come to earth loop impedance testing, Just yeah, okay, we've got 230 volts on there. Um, we're going to do a, a test on it, and it's always live work. Uh, we can't do that because it's live work. Well, we're doing insulation resistance testing, and that's live work. Yeah. So if we're going to say, well, we can't do earth loop impedance tests, we need to use measurement mm -hmm. uh, or calculation only because yeah. we can't do that, then, we, then we're going to have to turn around and say, we can't do insulation resistance testing. My my opinion is this electricians if they're competent and they're trained and they're experienced should carry out live work as part of their their requirement to maintain systems that, that's why we're electricians the, the problem is other people that are not electricians that are bodies that influence the way we work start to mess this around and tell us what we are not doing or what we are doing 
and they misinterpret what we're doing and they skew it and they they try to apply the best engineering judgment for us when really they're just fucking it up yeah basically at the end of the day anybody doing inspection testing should be competent and electrically skilled i'm seeing to do that work I'm seeing people use the word common sense in chat. How dare you? Oh, whatever. Go and wash your mouth out. Yeah, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Oh, dear. Bring it back, please. Yeah. Right, Pop, look, we've hit the hour, so let's get the rest of right, this let's done. Let's move on then. Okay, so... <laughs> Okay, so looking at earth fault loop impedance, the other thing, come to three phase. When we come to three phase doing earth fault loop impedance, we tend to test all three phases. Um, we've only got one box. So, again, the documentation is not adequate. So we need to, again, look at... A lot of this relies on having the right documentation. And I really cannot impress on people enough. We've got to start doing our own because the proprietary documentation isn't up to up to scratch. No. Uh, perspective fault current. This is uh, the big one, uh, another big one for us anyway. Yeah. Um, the regs require PFC to be determined at every relevant point in the circuit. Now, this is normally taught as, okay, you're going to test at the origin, and you're going to test at any DBs further downstream if your earth, if your fault current is still too high, your short circuit current or your earth fault current, whichever is the highest. Because what we're worried about is you're going to blow your protected devices to pieces. Okay, so we check the fault current at the origin. We check it against the incoming protected device. We check it at the DBs. We check it against the protected devices in the DB. Have we got the right rating of fault current? Are they M3? Are they M6? Are they whatever? Okay. And that's how it's always taught, and that's how it's always delivered. What about testing at the end of circuits? Okay, Who tests prospective fault current at the end of circuits? And one of the issues we've got is when we look at overcurrent protected devices, we are more and more reliant nowadays on RCDs for, you know, our RCD is this huge safety net that does everything. Whoopie do, you know, it does, it does all sorts. So but they of- do not provide overcurrent protection. Yeah, they only they only provide earth protection. They will not protect against over from short circuits from line to neutral or line to line, uh, generally, and they won't protect from overload. So we need MCBs or part of the ice side over current protection. Most hurry this hurry this up, Bob. MCB. Your internet's dying. Oh, is it? Okay, sorry. Yeah, uh, it'll come back in a minute, honestly. Yeah. Um, Put a key in the meter. Yeah, put another shilling in. Okay, the regs require disconnection mostly for most final circuits within 0.4 seconds. Yeah. Okay, to achieve this, we need a certain amount of current going through the protected device. Appendix 3 gives the details in the regs book, the time mm-hmm. current curves, but generally we can say that a type B requires five times the nominal current, a type C 10 times, and a type D 20 times. So if we've got a 32-amp type C MCB, we'll need 320 amps of fault current to go through that for it to trip within the required time. Now, the problem comes with when we've got circuits which are a bit longer than longer. maybe they should be, yeah? yeah, or maybe the cables haven't been adequately sized in respect of the length of the circuit. Um, and we're lulled into a full sense of security by the RCDs because we do these earth fault loop impedance Hmm. measurements and even if the earth fault loop impedance is slightly exceeded we'll accept it because we've got rcd protection and the rcd will still work if we've got 1667 ohms but we do yeah but we're lulled into this full sense of security many circuits don't have sufficient uh fault current 
we're talking about short circuit current, not earth fault. Yeah, short RC, circuit here. Yeah, short circuit, because under earth fault current, the RCD will operate. But under short circuit current, aligned to neutral fault, they don't have sufficient current yeah. to operate the device. We, we, had, we had this example recently. We had um, C32 RCBOs on a 4 mil radial circuit, wider than FP. I think that's yep. right, isn't it? Yep. Um, it was going into a bar area. And we were just measuring the impedance, and it was going up and up. We went to the furthest point, and we had an earthful, we had sorry, a prospective short circuit current. Um, so we went onto the line to neutral test on the instrument, and we had 190, or was it 198 amps or 190 amps or something? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and we know straight away we need 320 for instantaneous disconnection because it's a C32. So what we did is we just we just looked at that current level, and we engineered the calculations to say, right, well, what would the disconnection time be with 190 amps? It would be, was it like 14 seconds or something? Or I can't remember. Dis disconnection time would have occurred in 14, 11, 14, 14 yeah. seconds. On but then we, went, then we went to the fault current calculation. You know that T is equal to K squared S squared over I squared one? In, a, stand. in a chapter 43, 43, 43. section 434. Um, we calculated the T is the time to calculate. The K, I think, was 143. Was that the factor? Because yep. of the thermosetting installation. Yeah. Okay. K squared. S squared was the size, which was 4 squared, over the 190 amp squared. And we got 8 seconds or something. Um, yeah. And that, that that told us that you know that current we, it would take about eight seconds for the insulation material to go way beyond its ninety degree limit temperature. I think the final temperature was like two hundred and fifty degrees or something like that for the thermo setting, uh, and it's not going to disconnect before that happens. No. So the short circuit occurrence on the equipment connected to that socket would damage insulation beyond repair yeah. and would potentially create a fire. Yeah, so we've got a, we've got a device which is going to disconnect in fourteen seconds, but the cable is going to. Uh, degrade and, and possibly catch fire within eight or nine. Mm. Uh, so rather than an electric shock risk, we've got a fire risk. Yeah. So, and this, this is overlooked. It is. Unfortunately, it's... hugely overlooked when we come to fixed installations. And I must admit, I really, really came aware of this when I'm doing temporary stuff. Yes. We, we, always, we, we do it on temporary systems all the time. We, we mentioned the, the circuits. We mentioned this in our 7909 webinar yesterday, and that's where we've kind of – it's taking that and then taking it into the 7671 territory and going, where is this in this? And we're like, well, it's not in there. And it's not. And there's nowhere on the forms again, So uh, oh. and, it, and it's never taught. I say never taught. It's not, not normally taught. Not normally taught. Uh, yeah, uh, we, we've been teaching it for a while now. We're always telling people now to test the, the short circuit current and in the circuits. Um, but uh, say, when you, when you look at the sequence of testing in the on-site guide and in the guidance note three, and when you work in FE colleges, some of the FE colleges that I've worked in, it's never taught. Um, mm. And I just think it's one of those things where, okay, so it's okay to have a fire? I don't think so. You know? yeah. So when we're looking at protection and safety, you know, we're looking at electric shock, we're looking at fire, we're looking at overcurrent. We're looking it does at say that. It says it in the voltage. fundamental principles that yep. the circuit impedances shall be adequate. And that's what this is. It's a circuit impedance. It's yep. not an earth fault. It's a circuit impedance. So it shall be yep. adequate. And that will help achieve the requirements of Chapter 42, which is potentially gives the number of effects. Um, so it's fundamental. I cannot believe it's not in there. I cannot believe no, it's not again, it is, it's again, to me, it's a glaring omission from the yeah. inspection and testing sequence. Okay. Mm. Um, just a last few, which are more to do with the recording of them. Phase sequence testing. We, yep. we put a tick in. We put a tick. Fantastic. Ticking. What? We've tested the phase sequence. If it's one, two, three, why don't we put one, two, three? If it's three, two, one, why don't we put three, two, one? Um, again, I just don't understand. There, what there, we put there are in. 
there are some situations where the phase sequencing needs to stay the way it is due to the equipment or due to yeah, absolutely. other people. Uh, you know, that's you know fine, but you need to record yeah. its conditions so that people know when they work on it later yeah. on. You know, we've done that yeah. before. We've worked on systems. We had one. We had one in Berkshire where they had an incorrect rotation. Yeah. Uh, and we go, oh, let's fix it. Oh no, 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 because the way equipment was configured and the way things were working, we couldn't change the rotation. Yeah. So as long as on to it, needs to know that. Yeah, as long as the phase sequence remains the same throughout the installation, mm. that's fine. But why don't we put the sequence down rather than sticking a tick in? What does the, what does the tick mean? Oh yeah, you know, check. Yeah. yeah. Um, operation of RCDs. Um, yeah, we've got this thing now where we've just got the two boxes, haven't we? We've got the functional test, and we've got one box now for recording. Yeah, the RCD. I, I I don't like the way they've done that. I mean, to me, the purpose of testing the RCD in this case, I think a couple of guys have just mentioned it. If it's if the if the RCD has been installed for the purpose of additional protection, then I need to look at that times five because mm. it's for the purpose of additional protection. If yeah. it's there for other purposes, such as you know. 100 milliamp or 300 milliamp for the requires like horticultural locations or other yeah. reasons than the times one but that is the problem having to determine the purpose of the rcd and what if i've got an rcd for both intentions yeah and what if if you look at the actual um testing form mm. from again from the uh, well, on-site guide and guidance note three where do you actually put the rating of the rcd in do you not you don't know you don't put the type in do you either no so there's well, information there's information just, missing it's just information uh, why don't we have that information you know we 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 put a test result there is that the times five is that the times one is it a 30 yeah. milliamp is it a 300 milliamp is it time delayed is it it's just we need more information we need, need more space uh, functional testing we record the functional test for the rcd we record the functional test of an afdd uh we don't record the functional test for mcbs or any other piece yeah so in that uh, case the functional test is just the pressing the button in the eye's mind of this report yeah. what about what about all the other requirements of functionality of the circuit switches well, breakers we are required everything. we're required aren't we to test our mcbs now we're required yeah. to do a functional test of the mcb make sure they operate make sure they switch on make sure they switch off why don't we record that it's not on the inspection sheet it's not on the test sheet so mm. yeah okay yeah we're doing things we need to record it let's record this you know so we know it's part of the thing so to summarize i know we're over time again um Seems to be the bane of our life around there. That seems to, really. We should stop yeah. us. Um, so, number of tests that should be carried out to prove that the installation has been completed safely, and these are just simply missing. There's a number yeah. of tests that should be carried out to see that the installation will operate safely and continue to operate safely, and these are simply missing. And the inspection and testing documentation just needs a complete overhaul. Mm. Uh, or, as I do, design your own guys and, yeah. and have, have the confidence to do that you're allowed to do that as long as you've got the basics as shown in the on-site guide as shown in guidance note three or in uh, appendix six of the regs use that as the basis but honestly they can be improved tremendously and you basically stick in there whatever you want to put on your forms and if you need another two or three sheets have another two or three sheets why not you know, yeah. record all the uh, tests that you do, record mm. everything. Uh, when you come back to do an EICR in five or ten years' time, you'll be looking at those thinking, mm. ah, then, then you can take an engineering view as to whether or not the installation is still okay or is it degrading. And yeah, if yeah, it yeah. is degrading, how fast is it degrading? That's important information. Yeah. Uh, Nigel's just mentioned, you know, ramp tests as well, you know. Yeah. All yeah. those these days are coming that ramp test function. If I have a ramp test, I put that down. I can then come back five years later and I can do it again. And I can now yeah. see any 
decline yeah. in performance. Yeah, showing exactly where the RCD is testing at. We could, if we could report the information when we come back in a few years' time, we have more information to refer to, to then take to make decisions against. Yeah, you no, know, we can't make decisions against nothing. Yeah. So no, excellent. Uh, there's been such great conf- uh, conversations going on in the chat. It's really, really good. It's good to know that you know people are kind of thinking about this themselves. Uh, are we done, Pop? I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Right. Tea's cup of tea is calling. Cup of tea, cup of coffee time. I'm, right, I guys. need a biscuit. Listen, we are going to do another one this afternoon on Maximum Demand at 2 o'clock, but we have got one more on EICRs tomorrow, and there's an amendment one one I'm going to do, but we're going to come back to EICRs tomorrow where we're going to talk about codes, observations. Observations, ins- Observations, yeah. inspection. Inspection. Uh, so not, not so much about little tests, but more about the inspection side, the codes and things like that. Uh, yeah. what, uh, that's the afternoon one at 2 p.m., I think, isn't it? That's going to be a discussion as well, more than... Yeah isn't it it's, it's, it's going to be more like discussion, discussion I, yeah. yeah it's so much more interesting to get a discussion and there's such great discussion going on in the chat which is really good so um you know you want to come check that out uh, double check the website to see the time i think it's 2 p.m tomorrow um i'm pretty sure uh but hey thank you everyone for coming um if you have any more questions that we've not managed to answer in this uh you know how to contact us um any other points pop to make? just thank you for listening to the ramblings of an old man <laughs> <laughs> there you know. thanks, thanks for taking part guys Cheers, guys. Bye-bye, buddies. Cheers.